May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. So glad that you made it to church today. Uh, I'm telling you, God has something great in store for you today. I also want to welcome the North Campus. Thank you guys for joining us by live video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. Um, This past summer, the staff and I, we sat down to begin to write the values of Parkway Fellowship. Uh, You know, I mean, we've been doing church for like 12 years, so it's pretty clear what our values were just by looking at the practices in our church. Well, almost immediately we realized that these values weren't just merely the practices of our church, they really were the values of someone who is a mature Christ follower. And furthermore, we also realize that the reason why these values were present in in the DNA of our church is because they were present in the DNA of the mature Christ followers that go to our church. And even more than that, we also realized that if we were ever going to accomplish our mission statement to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity, that if we were going to focus on the growing them to maturity part, then we also realized that we needed to show people how to develop these values and put them in practice in their own individual lives so that they could become more, Christ, more mature Christ followers. Well, at that point, man, our staff started getting pumped. I mean, we got excited, so we started, went to work, started writing these values. Now, for most people, the exercise of writing values for an organization, like, it could not be a worse experience. Because <laughs> I know a lot of people in business, like, you, you know, like, okay, we're going to write the values of our company. You know, you end up going on, you know, some retreat that nobody really wants to go on. It ends up being like a bad episode of The Office, and... Yeah, and, and when you, finally you get things, all these things written and hammered out. Then you, you know, have them all printed up and pushed out to the rest of the organization. And nobody really pays much attention to them. They end up, you know, being shoved in a closet somewhere. Because here's the thing. When it, as long as the company's profitable, then the values don't really hold that much value. Because if everybody's making money, then everything's fine. Oh, look, and I, mean, I know that there's some companies that there's exceptions. I get that. But pretty much, if the bottom line of a company is healthy, then the whole values exercise doesn't really matter much. But what if the bottom line of an organization is not money? What if the bottom line of an organization is measured in changed lives? What if the bottom line of an organization is measured in how closely the lives of its members and regular attenders mirror a specific standard of character? And what if that specific standard of character is embodied in a specific person, you know, like Jesus, and if that's true, then the values of, the organ, of an organization, you know, like a church, then those values have an incredible importance because those values don't reflect just the heart and the attitude of the organization. They reflect the heart and the attitude of the people that are in the organization. And so those values become really important because the bottom line is not money. The bottom line is changed lives, yours and mine.
And if we're ever going to grow to become mature Christ followers, then each of these values have to become an integral, integral part of our lives. Because <clears throat> if we don't let the Lord develop these values in us, then the truth is we're never going to really make much progress towards spiritual maturity. We'll never take any real meaningful steps to having a close relationship with God. And furthermore, if we don't adopt these values as a part of our lives, then we run the very risk of fooling ourselves into thinking that we are more spiritually mature than we really are. Because see, I think a, a lot of people, unfortunately, equate spiritual maturity with spiritual knowledge. That somehow, you know, if they know more about God and Jesus and the Bible, then that makes them spiritually mature. But that is not the picture of spiritual maturity that Jesus paints in the Bible. In fact, Jesus railed against the spiritually educated of his day, okay? But not because they had knowledge, but because they did not have changed lives. Their lives weren't changed to reflect the values of God and the Bible. And so, making sure that our lives line up with the values of the Bible makes these values incredibly important. And not only is it important for us as individuals, it's really important for us as a church as well. See, these values reflect the identity of us, of, of our church. And they eventually affect how our church is known and what we are known for. But those values will only be a part of our church if they're a part of the individual's that go to our church, and we as individuals embrace those values. And if we do, then at that point, our church will become a place that is known for where lives are changed. And I'm telling you, when that happens, look out. I mean, look out, because when that happens, God will use us to change lives by the hundreds, by the thousands. And then when God gives us a vision of saying, hey, I want to reach 10% of this community in the next 10 years through you, then that becomes the vehicle by which it actually can happen. And so what are these values that God has said are, that, that ought to be in place in the life of every spiritually mature Christ follower? What are these values that, if they're woven into the DNA of our church, could, could yield such amazing results? Well, during this series, we're going to take two of these values every single week, and we're going to talk about them in depth, and then how we can apply them and put them into place in our lives. So, that brings us to our message today. We're going to talk about the two things that I cannot live without. Now, I mean, the truth is, if I were to try to go through life without the two values that we're going to talk about today, yes, okay, I, I could actually be alive, so I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if we went without these two values, then we would become the kind of people that no one would want to be around. No one would want to be our friend. We would not be respected. We couldn't even hold a job long term. So pull out your message notes, and let's talk about these two values that we're going to talk about today. And let's ask this question. What are the two values that I cannot live without? Now, I didn't put numbers beside these values. I'm not going to during this entire series because I don't want to send the message that, you know, these values are any kind of, in any kind of ranked order because they're not. They're all very important. So 
the first value that we're going to talk about is the value of humility. It's the value of humility. And as a staff, here's what we came up with as the value. We take God seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Following Christ is about God and his purposes, not what we want. Now, when I talk about taking God seriously, not taking yourself seriously, what does that look like? Well, it looks like someone who's more concerned about what people think about God than what people think about them. It looks like someone who is willing to get up early or stay up late so they can read their Bible every day. It looks like someone who comes to church more for what they can give to it as much as what they can get from it. It looks like a person who pursues working out their spiritual muscles as much as they work out their physical muscles. It looks like a person who's willing to be open about their mistakes and their past because their story is more about God's grace and God's forgiveness than it is about worrying about what other people might think of them. That's what it looks like. Now, can we all, can we all just be honest for just a moment? We all have more room in our lives to take God more seriously than we take him, don't we? I mean, couldn't we all take God more seriously than how we take him? But the key to taking God more seriously is not more church activity or more spiritual activity or just becoming more moral. Now, those, those are good and those matter, but they're not nearly as important as becoming more humble. Why? It's because of this statement. Look at it. <clears throat> Humility is the key that unlocks the door to being close with God. Humility is the key that unlocks the door to being close with God. And let me show you why. Look at these two key verses about humility. They're found in the book of James, chapter 4, beginning in verse 5 and 6. It says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? I want you to underline that part. The spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. Verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, underline these four words, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Look, here's the thing. There are hundreds of verses in the Bible about humility. But I think that these two verses are the key verses in this entire book about humility. And let me tell you why. The first part, reason why is because in, in, in that first part of that head you underlined, the spirit he caused to live within us envies intensely. That's a reference to the, the spirit is a reference to the Holy Spirit that lives in the heart of someone the moment they become a true Christ follower. Now, if you go back and read the context of this passage, James is talking about um, loving God compared to loving worldly things. And he says, the problem is not merely that loving worldly things over God is sin. The problem is much, much deeper than that. The problem is that when we do that, it causes the Holy Spirit that lives in us to envy 
intensely. And what that means is, is that God's Spirit becomes jealous for us to be more devoted to Him than to anything else. Because God is jealous, He envies, he, for your devotion to Him, for your allegiance to Him. God envies for that. And so, that's what it's saying. And the consequence, if we continue to love something more than God, it's the second part that I had you underline. It says this, it says, God opposes the proud. Now, that word opposes does not mean that, you know, God is in a fight with you like two people are boxing, okay? That's not what this word means. This is a really unique word that is only used to describe when um, someone keeps someone else at arm's length. Like, like, a, like a parent would you know, keep a child who's aggressive at arm's length until the child calms down. It, it would be like in a football game when you know, someone, a ball carrier stiff arms the, uh, somebody on the defense so they can continue going. So literally, this verse says that God stiff arms the proud. Now, do you know what that means for you and for me? It means that as long as we have pride, it is impossible to be close with God because God keeps us at arm's length. That's what it means. Because Humility unlocks the door to being close with God. Humility unlocks the door to being close with God. And you cannot attain that kind of humility necessary if you take yourself too seriously. You gotta take God seriously, but you can't take yourself too seriously. And as a church, what does this mean? It means that we have to openly talk about God's grace and what he's done in our lives and how much he's changed us and not try to filter things out so that, you know, because we're afraid of what someone else might think. I mean, you know, come on. You've all heard people give, you know, great stories about what God has done in their lives. And you never, you never walk away from one of those things thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe that they did that. No. You always walk away from those things going, my goodness, I can't believe all that God did in their life. And it doesn't matter what the stuff was. You're always amazed at God. And those kinds of stories only happen because those people were humble enough to say, you know what, I'm willing to share my story regardless of what someone else might think, because my story is more about God's grace and God's forgiveness than anything that I've ever done. That is taking God seriously, but not taking yourself seriously. So would you make a commitment in your life to take God seriously and not take yourself so seriously? Would you be willing to be the kind of person that says, you know what, God, I'm going to take you very seriously, but I'm not going to take myself seriously. Would that become a value in your life? It is the key to being close with God. Which brings us to our next value. 
Our next value is the value of excellence. It's the value of excellence. Here's the definition we came up with as the value. We strive for excellence, not perfection in all things. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Now, at first blush, it might seem that a commitment to excellence competes with a commitment to humility. You know, because if you strive to be excellent, you know, then you draw attention to yourself, then people notice you, you know, they want to pat you on the back, give you accolades, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, doesn't that fly in the face of humility? Well, it, it, it can. It just all depends on your motivation for being excellent. You know, do you want to do things with excellence so you can earn those kind of accolades? Because if so, then yes, you have a choice to make because you can't do both. You can either be humble or you can have the value of excellence, but you couldn't do both. But our Heavenly Father gives us a higher motivation for being excellent in all things that doesn't compete with humility. Look what, it, look what our, uh, our Heavenly Father says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, and by that he means literally, like, Whatever you do, whatever you do, you know, for a living, whatever your job is, you know, like engineer or sales or, you know, management or military, or even if you don't get paid for it, you know, like a stay-at-home parent, you know, that kind of thing. It includes everything, uh, school, parenting, volunteering, studying. I, honestly, really, he means whatever you do. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, and I want you to underline this, as working for the Lord not for men. Verse 24, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. I don't want you to underline the rest of this. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Wow. I mean, that is a powerful statement. So whatever it is that you're doing, whether you get paid to do it or not, Whatever it is, do it as if you're doing it for God himself. Because the Bible says you actually are. So if Jesus were at your cubicle every day, watching how you work, watching how hard you work, what would he think? If your company were building that project that you're building right now, if they were doing it for Jesus himself, would you inspect it differently? Whatever it is that you do, if you were doing you know, whatever that is for Jesus Christ himself, would you double check it to make sure that it was right? Would you make sure that you did the things you know, that, that even though you know no one else would see it, because you know that he sees everything? Would you leave something undone? Because, you know, I mean, really, it, it really doesn't matter. And, you know, you can be home early. Would you consistently show up late? Or be unprepared? I mean, seriously, what would your approach be to things that you do, you know, at work, at home, at school, at church, you know, anywhere? What would that approach be if you really believed that what you were doing, you were literally doing it for Jesus Christ himself? You see, 
The Lord wants you and he wants me to be committed to excellence. God is not honored by things that are done halfway or done half-heartedly. Now look, it doesn't mean that God requires perfection, all right? Let me go ahead and release you from that burden. That's not true. But he does expect that whatever you do, you do it with excellence. And then what is the result? The result is, is that you honor God because excellence honors God. And it inspires people because excellence inspires people. I think about, you know, things through history that people have done to that they've done excellently, that have honored God and inspired people. You know, I, think about, I think about Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and an additional six years to paint the fresco of the Last Judgment on the back wall of the Sistine Chapel. Now, I don't know about you. I get impatient painting the hallway in my house. And I'm telling you, if, if I'm painting a ceiling and I've been at it for like 11 months and I'm only like one-fourth of the way through, I'm tempted to just go caveman drawing from that point forward and call it done. I would be. But I'm telling you, I look, I mean, I know all that's an extreme example. But the point is the same. Excellence honors God and inspires people. And that applies to painting, working, studying, volunteering, whatever it is that you do. So would you commit to God that you will be excellent at whatever it is that you're doing? Not to show off, not to receive a promotion, not to receive accolades, or not to show someone else that you can do it better, but because it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself that you're serving. Would you make that kind of a commitment? Would that become your value? Because see, when you, when you value humility and when you value excellence, then it begins to seep into everything that you do and to everything that you are. And eventually, other people will sit up and they'll take notice. And when they do, what do you think they're going to see? Remember, they're not going to see you because you're focused on humility. So what do you think they're going to see? They will see God at work in you because God's values are at work changing your life. Look what the Bible says. Jesus, in Matthew 5.16, says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, that, my friends, is the key to reaching our community for Christ and for growing to spiritual maturity. If we embrace these kinds of values as a church, then we're going to see lives changed, including our own. We will see lives changed in droves. We will see God change the lives of teenagers. We'll see God change the lives of couples. We'll see him change families. We'll see him change an entire community for him. Why? Because we're focused on God's values, especially these two values that the truth is we can't live a spiritually mature life without. 
And so if that's the kind of person that you want to become, and that's the kind of you know, church that you want to be in, then I want you to find your connection card, and let's take some next steps to make that happen. Here's the first next step. Number one, I commit to take God more seriously and myself less seriously. Would you make that your value for your life? It's huge. Next, I'll memorize James 4, 5, and 6. Or do you think Scripture says without reason the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm telling you, there is so much depth and meaning in those two verses. Would you make a commitment to memorize those? Next. I will not cut corners, but will strive for excellence. Would you do that? Next. I will keep in mind that whatever I'm doing, I'm actually doing it for Jesus himself. Be huge. Next, I'll memorize Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Or this next one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Here's the truth. None of this even matters if you've not chosen to become a Christ follower. And you do that by praying a prayer, asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and pledging your life to following him from that point forward. Have you ever done that? If you never have, there's a sample prayer on your sermon notes just below these next steps. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer here in like 20 seconds. Look at this last next step. I commit to come for the rest of the Parkway Values series. Four weeks. Already been to one. Three more to go. Would you make a commitment to come the next three weeks to hear what these values are that are active in the life of mature Christ followers and active in our church? Be great for you to be here. I hope hope you'll make that commitment. I'm going to give you a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with these next steps. So right now, I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, and if you're willing to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it. But right now, everybody, pray silently to God during these next few moments. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the fact that when we come to you humbly, that you embrace us and that you welcome us and that because of your son, Jesus Christ, you've forgiven us for so much and that you seek to use us to accomplish your purposes here on this earth. And I pray for everyone listening to me here today live and over the internet, Lord, that you would help us to be humble, 
and to do things with excellence. Again, not so that we can be promoted, but really so that we can promote you and that we can do those things for you and that you are glorified. And I ask that these will become values in our lives as they are values in our church. And I pray that you would bring us back safely next week so we can hear more. And as you do all of this in the great name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.